What's going on everybody? Welcome to Ball in the Real World. Coming at you from Melbourne. I've been here for the better part of a week now uh, for the NBL Cup. And while out here, I had a chance to speak with Jock Landale, uh, Australian boomers big, currently with Melbourne United. And he's always one of the more interesting chats you can have when it comes to NBL talent. Uh, he says what's on his mind. He doesn't sugarcoat stuff. And for someone who's only 25, he's been through interesting bouts of adversity to get to the point where he is today. And we spoke about that, you know, from you know coming to the NBL and then automatically and immediately putting a target on his back by saying his team would go undefeated. We spoke about his time in Europe and how that helped shape him. His NBA pathway, you know, trying to get to the league, but being hindered by things out of his control. That's something we spoke about. We spoke pretty deeply about that sort of stuff, and he didn't hold his emotions back. We recorded the interview outside uh, because those are the COVID protocols that we have to work with. So if you hear trams or birds, that's just the Melbourne you know, city doing its thing. So don't be alarmed at that sort of stuff. But look, Jock is always an interesting chat. The goal here was to make it a chat, not necessarily an interview. So sit back, relax, and enjoy my chat with Jock Landale. Jock, welcome. Appreciate well, not, it. Not welcome, I'm in your city. Um, are you from, where, where are you from exactly? Can you explain that? Oh, just man, I don't even that. really know, to be honest with you. Uh, what does that mean? I think it's like a mixture of Deneliquin up in New South Wales, just across the border. And Is that the farm? That's the farm. Yeah. And then Melbourne. And then, I mean, I spent like seven years down in Geelong as well. So I don't even really know where I'm from. I've only ever lived in Melbourne for like a consistent time period of like 10, 10 years. So yeah, okay. I'm kind of from all over the place. So did you consider this like a homecoming? Uh, yeah, more so because I was back coming back to Australia, I suppose. Like yeah, just true. having never really played here. I mean, I, I played what, like two seasons of VJBL when I was <laughs> like just starting to play basketball and then I was kind of shipped off to America and, and all that jazz started to happen. So to be honest with you, it never really... Uh, like I never had the chance to play in front of friends and family. I never had the chance to like play in front of Australians. Like nobody knew who I was and kind of still don't because I've been overseas playing like the whole time that I felt like I've been actually like playing dominant basketball. But when like I was, when I came back from, uh, from Serbia to play the national team at Marvel Stadium, like I'll walk around and like be like, oh, you know, talking basketball with fans or whatever, and be like, hey, like, did you guys like come to that game at Marvel? Rah rah. rah. They're like, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, I can name every player on that team. I was like, oh, I will name them. Can you? And they start going. They start going. And they start going. And they're like, they they'll say my name, and I'll be like, that that's me. Like you realize that's me, right? And so nobody knows. Like nobody knows who I am. They've never really like. No one's ever you know had anything to do with my career and i think that that's kind of like the exciting part of coming home is like hey i get to show night in night out like who i am and how i play and all that kind of stuff so it's like it's for me it's a lot of fun coming back and like kind of showing the australian public like how i play as a player like and who you are who i am and all that kind of stuff and I still haven't, like, I haven't even, like, scratched the surface of how well I can play. So, for me to, like, you know, be doing what I'm doing, it's exciting times just to get in touch with the community here. It's weird, huh, when when a player goes to play overseas. So, you were overseas what, since St. Ma- start of St. Mary's, right? <laughs> yeah, I did. You never really came back here properly. No. no. See, that's weird. So, so, I think of someone like Nick Kay, 
who a lot of the Australian public has probably just not forgotten about, but no one's keeping tabs on what Nick Kay's doing. No. But when he was here, you know, it's, he's dominating for Perth, right. he's a boomer and all that sort of thing. And that's, um, that's cool thing about Perth's fan base is like, those guys are so involved yeah. with their players and they know who they are, but like you kind of, you disappear, like unless you're in the NBA, you disappear. And I think that people forget like, you know, watching the reactions to the, uh, the boomer squad and seeing guys like Duop Reith copping comments like, mm. like, who is this? Like, yeah. we have no idea who Duop is. I played against Duop in, what did I play against him first? In the under 20 state league or whatever. Yeah. And he was dominant. Like, this guy destroyed me. Duop's very good. He's very good. At and then LSU, I, he was 20 and 10 pretty consistently. Yeah. And then I played against him in Serbia. I used to bust his ass, but I played against him in Serbia. <laughs> he was with FMP? FMP. Yeah. And then, uh, but like as that year went on, like the first time I saw him was like out there, I was like, oh, I played against you. Like you used to kick my ass. And then <laughs> like as the season went on and I started off like getting the better of him, he was like slowly coming along. And so to see like people disrespecting him as they are, yeah, it's like, man, you guys forget so easily how good some of those European players are. And they like... Playing out there is is tough. Like mentally, physically, everything is so tough. So like I, I respect guys like Nick, Brock Modem, Duop, all those boys out there so much because I know what the grind's like out there. And like there's so many games and they're all brutally physical and there's no fouls called. And as a foreigner, you're just beat up and no one gives a crap. So like mad respect. Yeah, people don't get the the grind that Europe is, especially at that level when it's like a level below EuroLeague. Oh. So when you're looking at your partisans and all those sorts of teams, um, you know, you're going there, you're doing tour days, you're staying in like dinky apartments. Horrendous like, apartments. Just the worst. So I remember when Tom Wilson went over there, I had a chat with him and he showed me his apartment and it was just the stove just wasn't a stove. They, they treated him her, like terribly. I've just heard stories. badly. I've heard stories. As soon as I got there, they were like, oh, another Australian, like, just watch out. This is what happened to Tom. You might get treated like Jeez. this as well. Uh, but yeah, the first apartment I got was probably worth about $5. And the, the payment from the club to the apartment owner was done through season tickets. <laughs> so this guy was <clears throat> this guy was getting season tickets and I get I rock up to this apartment like, you know, not knowing what to expect. I'd hadn't packed any like bed linen or anything like that. Yeah. Rock up to this apartment. I'm just like, all right, what do I expect? First night I slept with no sheets, no doona, no nothing. Luckily luckily it was summer Belgrade, which is hot. Yeah. But <clears throat> like you know, you I mean, I had I had poo coming out of my shower Man. drain. So like that's that's the standard of living that I was in. Yeah. I got out of there after a couple of months, moved to a nice apartment, found something myself. But like that's kind of how they treat foreigners coming in. It's like you don't really care a whole lot. And then, yeah. you know, I went to uh, like all our road trips were done and we, we roomed in like twos, which is common in, you know, leagues that aren't the NBA or Euro League. But yeah. Even the G League, I think they're room in twos. Yeah. So, yeah. But we were in single beds that were this close to one another. And like you had to like lift up and like clear space just to push them away. Otherwise, you might wake up in the middle of the night spooning each other. <laughs> so like, you know, it's it's a different lifestyle out there. It's a different beast. And to like tough it out like they do. Now, EuroLeague's made some serious strides. Those guys yeah. have, you know, the uh, EuroLeague Players Association is doing great things with like 
you know, making sure that you're treated right, charter flights, single rooms, all that stuff. So they are starting to make some headway, but like if you're not in Euroleague out there, like you're in for a rough one. And the fans there are different too. They're oh like they're like football hooligans. It's yes. that vibe, right? Uh, yes, and it's it it uh it shows you a different way of life, which for some is enjoyable. Like the best part about my experience was the fan bases. Like I loved it so much. Yeah. But it had its dark side. Like you know, you get spit on. You get told that you're gonna get killed. You know, death threats all the time. You get people saying horrendous things about your family. Yeah. But that's just like their way of life. And then like there are instances where it gets physical with fans. Like you know, you might go out to a bar or something like that, and I've heard stories of Americans getting in fights with fans because the fans just don't like the way you know they drop their head one game. Like it's Jeez. it's really that like. The margin for error out there is so small. And like, yeah. Did you have any of those? I did. Weird interactions? Yeah, I had had someone approach me with uh, a a gun after a game. And uh, that was was a crazy experience. And, you know, that's all been done and said. People already know about that and, and how it went down. But... Like, you just don't expect it as a foreigner. You're like, and especially coming out of a game where I played really well, but we lost. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'm good. Like, I'm just going to go back to my car and life. Like, they're gonna not going to hate me. No. And then you just like, you lost. And that's kind of where like the, like the birth of my, my winner, my winner's mentality kind of started because I was like, like, you just, you got to win. Like, if you don't win, nothing else matters. Like, if you win and you put up three points and two rebounds, they won't care because yeah. you won. But if you if you if you're losing out there, like, jeez, hold on to your boots. Like, it'll be a tough one. So then you come here. Is how much easier is the NBL just to exist in compared to a lot? Because like you get like put aside safety, like you get paid on time. Mm-hmm. There's, there are a lot of perks that come with it. One hundred percent. You get paid on time. You're looked after. You can, you know. On a game day, you can walk down the street and get a coffee without mm. being like shunned by your coach for not being locked into a game. There is a lot of benefits to it, uh, and then like playing wise, it's enjoyable. Like you mm. just you enjoy being amongst amongst Australians who you know treat you right and yeah. right, right. Like some of my best friends are Serbians. Like don't get me wrong, my yeah. teammates out there were sensational. When you're around people with different with the same values as you it's a lot easier and that that was something that like i had to i had there was a massive adjustment period for me was like okay i've got to get used to like how these guys live their lives and like Mm. you know i won't talk about how all that stuff right now but there is definitely some like dissimilarities with how we live and like they just they just don't operate on the same level as we do so for me like that took a long time for me to adjust to and it was the same with Lithuanians. I don't think the Lithuanians were as crazy as the, as the Serbians. And yeah. I love the Serbians. Like, I want to get back there one day and visit and all that. So there's no disrespect to them there at all. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a very big adjustment period. But being home, you just you, you feel comfortable. You feel like life's good. Uh, you know, the league is, is up and coming. It's doing good things. And it's just it's an enjoyable experience, full stop. So, like, five years ago, if, if you told yourself that you would be in the NBL at this point, the way the NBL was back there, back then, would you have thought that, yeah, like I've gone to the NBL because my career is done? Was that was that the way you saw the NBL back yeah. then? And it was sort of like a like I'm I'm settling. Yes, and 
to be honest with you, even coming into it this year, there was a bit of that. I was like, like there was a, there was a period after, you know, the NBA talks had happened, and you know we'd kind of figured out that there was some problems with what I was trying to do. Yeah, I was like, and I could, you know I wasn't getting Euroleague offers at that time. I was yeah. like, man, like like this could be the start of the demise of my career if I'm coming back home to play in the NBL. Yeah. Then you kind of get here, you get amongst the teams, you realize that the standard, like, I'm going to be honest with you, like I went into that first training camp with Melbourne, yeah. not in shape, not ready to go. I thought I was, but with COVID, it kind of made things hard. Like, yeah. it's not like, like my off seasons are tough. Like I'm not messing around at all. I yeah. take it very seriously. But with what I had and what I was trying to do, like it was just impossible to stay up with those boys. So, I walked into that training camp and I swear to God, I got my ass kicked for like four weeks straight. I was, I was just told that dominated. Joe... Don't, Joe was destroying <laughs> me. And I was just like, oh my God, like I'm, I've become the worst basketball team, like basketball player on this team. I was like, what happened? Like Dang. four months ago, I was walking into that gym, like having my way. And now I'm yeah. just like, all of a sudden I suck. So I was just like, what is going on? And so like... At that time, like if I'd gone over to an NBA camp in that shape or gone back to a Euroleague team in that shape and like not having played competitive basketball in six months, yeah, it would have just been a bloodbath. I was not, uh, I would have been, I would have been ready mentally and I would have done everything I could to make sure that that thing stuck, but yeah. like it's kind of a blessing in disguise. And so the respect that I gained through that process for like the guys in this league and and all that like I already respected them but like the the level it went to when I was like oh yeah these guys can actually really hoop I was like yeah. that was kind of like a big adjustment for me like there was a period before you know signing with them and and the NBA wasn't happening I was just like oh my god my career's over I'm playing in the NBL but then you get here yeah. and you're you're playing against these guys night in night out and there's guys like you know um your boy Isaac and you know Cam and all those guys who are like legit you know they're, they're they're fringe NBA guys like yeah you're like okay this isn't this isn't like a league that's just floating by like they're actually doing things and then you see dudes go to the NBA yeah so like, so how much so when you look at a uh, Will Magne right it's a two way deal but it's it's a deal and you got Jay Sean Tate and before that obviously I mean like Jay Sean Tate and Lamelo Ball are in like the top four for rookie of the year right like yeah Jay Sean Tate is a, a starter for yeah. Houston and they weren't like. I mean, look, Lamelo was doing Lamelo things. Lamelo's a bit different, right? Because he was like prodigy, right? Whatever, he was right? getting those minutes that or whatever. Jason uh, takes a six-four power forward, and he wasn't exactly Belgium. like what did he average out here, like sixteen and seven or something, like something it's like not that. like he was coming out here and putting up like forty a night. No, so you actually like it's a league where like if you can if you can put up like you know, 15 to 20 points and, you know, kind of hold your own defensively and rebound and rah, 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 like, you're probably going to be all right if you're in the NBA. Like, from what I've... I never saw Jay Sean Tate play. I've only seen him a little bit with Houston, but, yeah. like, that guy's really good. And, like, it kind of is a credit to this league for, like, being able to develop those guys a bit more. And, like, like the this level of play is, is really good here because he was battling. Like, he, it's not like he was just having his way every night. Like, he was he was doing hard things through hard competition so well, that's that's what the league is now it's they've just and by the way if you can hear noise outside everybody it's because we're outside um <laughs> with, we can you can hear trams and buildings and whatnot it's covid protocols we've got to be outside um the nbo is i think they they leaned into being a pathway to yeah. the nba they and i think that that only helps the competition because yeah. fringe nba dudes want to come here and just perform well here i think that 
right now it's great for the league like that this is a pathway to the nba this is where guys look to come to the nba but you know i think that i don't know where larry's mind's at i've never spoken to the guy i've only said hello and passing once in my life and you know i don't know what anyone else who's kind of high up in the nbl is thinking but Mm. in my mind at some point you need to make a transition to being like a contender more so than a pathway like yeah you want to like the real the real like the real money and the real attention comes when you start like competing with that kind of level so it'll will never be the nba that's just a fact the nba is the nba that's always going to be the pinnacle but like if you can kind of push yourself to the point where like you you take another step rather than just being a legit pathway it'll always be a pathway but if you can like kind of push that competition up and Mm. like you know I don't mean to disrespect anyone in the NBL, but if you can kind of like four or five of those like bottom level guys, like if you can bring them up further or bring in guys who are like better and kind of keep continuing to push like the league's like standard, Mm. I think that's when the real attention really starts to come and where you get like legit, like you'll get those fringe NBA guys choosing NBL more so than G League a lot more. Well, that's like, that's the difference between here and EuroLeague because I think the top level dudes here can go play in the EuroLeague. Yeah. They just absolutely can. Yeah. It's obviously just like the, the lower level guys who, and it's it just, a lot of it's just population. Just, yeah. Just, there are more Europeans. Yeah. The lower level dudes are better. Right. Um, but is that, because, because, so when you came into the league, you, you very famously said your thing about wanting to go, like, no one can beat us, going undefeated, that sort of thing. That's like a, I, that's what you want the league to be, right? Where mm-hmm. it's competitive as hell. Yeah. And it's, it's not just, I'm here to make the NBA. This right. is my pathway. Right. It's more, yeah, I, I want to win here. Right. And that's, I mean, that's what I was getting at was like, you know, I'm not, I'm not coming here to just float by and like focus on my own deal. Just and be a rah, token. Rah. Like I want to leave a legacy that's winning. That's all yeah. I really care about now. Obviously I have individual goals such as making an Olympics team, making the NBA, all that kind of stuff, winning yeah. a medal, winning championships at every level like that stuff's individual accolades for me yeah but all that comes through winning and like for me if i went out there with a selfish mentality of like hey i need to put up 40 points a night it's a losing mentality in my eyes if i go out there with the mindset of i just need to win can i swear on this podcast probably we can we can bleep it all right if I come out with the mentality of like, I need to win every game, like that's what pushes me to give my best. Yeah. It's more, do you know what I mean? Like, it's not like a selfish mentality that I have. It's if we, if I, if I go out there with the goal in mind to win, yeah, then you'll get my best. And that's kind of like where like that undefeated comment came from is like, was it premeditated? As in like, did you go, I don't, I don't know what the question was, it was in an AAP story. I don't know what the question was, but were you I going s- in? Uh, no, I wasn't premeditated. I wasn't like, oh, I'm going to make a like a, a comment that'll just get attention. Just a huge statement that everyone. I wasn't gonna- trying to do that at all. Uh, it's just not really who I am. But it was. It came off the back of a bloodbath of a practice, I think, and I was just like, "Holy shit! Like <laughs> we have a squad. Like this is going to be so hard for a team to beat us with the depth that we have yeah. and how good of players we have." and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I wasn't trying to disrespect anyone in saying it. Yeah. But just personally, I genuinely believed. I was like, yo, these guys are like, at a, like we were at a level that I was just like, this is this intensity is crazy. Like yeah. every day you're coming in and it's like 
do or die like you just need to like you need to win so we kind of like experienced that for a while and i was just like night in night out like when we were practicing i was like yeah this is about to be crazy this season like these this is a this is an intense like group of guys and and like it's a bunch of winners so we all said it too yeah as in when as no nah, you guys who, didn't say you tipped us to win but no one tipped us to go undefeated well no one no one would tip you to go undefeated no. just because no one would it's just sort of unheard of yeah um but going into the season if you put melbourne united up against any team you would never bet against melbourne united so like the sentiment is still there right like as media people and people who watch the league we we generally think that a healthy united can beat any team should beat any team and that's the expectation that's the i suppose that's the that's the thing that a lot of people on our team are a little bit frustrated with is like we're not really dominating right now like at all like every guys game are grinding through wins grinding through wins so we've like we we have nowhere near hit our potential if anything like i would say we haven't regressed but there's been like a a massive adjustment period for us with injuries and yeah. whatnot so and then when those guys come back there'll be an even bigger adjustment period of like slotting them back into the lineup because like last night you know, we played Adelaide and won, but we grinded that out too. That yeah. first quarter was like, you know, we're finally getting back to like how we've been playing like in the preseason. Like Everything free was moving, fast, like all yep. that stuff. And that's the thing. Like if we play fast, no one can keep up with us. Like I've had three centers from opposition teams come up to me in the half court, hands on knees, like, hey man, you f- guys play fast. Like, can you slow down? <laughs> And like I swear to God, and that's like that's what we try and hold our hat on. And, yeah. like, and you know, you know, we need to we need to hold ourselves to that standard. But yeah, back to that like going undefeated comment. Like I just saw how we were performing in like preseason and how we played against each other in practice, and I was just like, you know, like we should go undefeated. And I wanted to instill that that thought process into everyone else's mind that like yeah. go on our team. I was like. I wanted to tell everyone like I'm coming in with the mindset that like we should not lose a single game that's a standard that's the that's got to be the standard yeah. like if you're coming in with like a oh I'm scared like we might lose this game it's just it's a losing mentality so yeah. I was just like this is what needs to happen in order for us to like dominate the competition now we haven't been dominating so maybe it was the wrong play on my behalf and I'm happy to take the blame for that if so yeah but we've been winning and at the end of the day that's that's what matters and i think we got we got a bit of figuring out to do offensively but like you see us us on the uh, on the defensive end and like i don't i want to say that no one's scored above like 85 on us so far this season maybe one team like Ooh, it's it's yeah. hard it's hard to score on us like so defensively we're we're dogs and yeah. we hold teams to very low scores like I don't know what Adelaide finished with last night, but we held them to like 30-something in the first half. Eight, eight in the first quarter. Eight in the quarter. first quarter. So that's like, that's the standard for me. Like, actually, I'm trying to hold someone to 32 in a game. That would be sick. <laughs> but uh, that's, yeah. Like, I think I just, I, I'm the kind of guy that is like a perfectionist and I set an extremely high standard for myself. And if I ever feel as though I haven't dominant, dominated a game, it's like the world's ending yeah uh but that's just kind of who i am and like i think that's what drives me to get better so i think that i wasn't i don't think i said the wrong thing i know i've copped a lot of hate for it it's it's fine isn't but if, if you say anything other than that if you say well we're going into 
only lose five games. Right. Like, why do you want to lose five games? And Bogut said it. Like, Bogut, I seen Bogut's my boy. He's got my back. Uh, but, like, he was like, as an athlete, that's the mentality you should have. It's yeah. just a lot of athletes aren't confident enough to put it out there to the rest of the world. And, yeah. I mean, I, I've been through a lot worse than Australian fans. So, I'm pretty, <laughs> pretty comfortable in my own skin. But, uh, yeah. The thing that doesn't make sense to me about all that is, like... Yeah. The repercussion I got from it wasn't like, oh, this guy's an idiot. Like, he doesn't think that... Uh, he thinks that, like, you know, these these guys shouldn't... Uh, he thinks that these guys should go undefeated. Like, it's disrespectful to the competition. Or does he not know the league? It was like, yo, this guy's, a, this guy's an idiot. Like, he's a dickhead because he's arrogant. Yeah. Like, it's like, how do you... How as, an, how as a fan do you, like, you know... How do you put that through your head of, like... Oh, like, as an athlete, you're expecting to lose a few games. Like... Yep. maybe you expect to lose a few games but you don't like you're not coming into any game thinking yeah we're gonna lose this so like that that side of like the mental side of like pro sports and athletes like the general population clearly doesn't understand and that's what was like mind-boggling to me is like people yeah. were calling me like super arrogant and like calling me like like an arrogant dickhead and stuff because i came out and said yo i'm trying to go undefeated this season yeah isn't everyone trying to do that like, I feel like everyone should right so like if you speak to players after losses it's the NBL is weird because it's like it's like the NFL where it's like it's basically a game a week yeah and a loss just sits with you right like the amount of, I've spoke to a lot of players after a loss you're trying to you're saying oh, I hate my coach yeah I, I hate my teammates they're shit, they don't give me the ball and then after a win it's the best feeling in the world right right so the emotions are high yeah and it's like it's a full like it's a full week of ups and downs. Like mm. mentally you go through it in a week. Even if you play well and you win, there's still like a day there where you're like, damn, like I shouldn't have missed that shot or I shouldn't have yep. done that or something, something like, you know what I mean? Like there's too much time between games. And that's why I'm loving this cup is because, I mean, what are we coming up on? Maybe our fifth game. It's been like five games in maybe 12 days. I've been here for maybe a week. Yeah. Like, yeah. And like, that's, that's how it, it should be like that yeah. Europe does it the NBA does it Melbourne's got to be the next one to kind of step up to that level and I don't know the financials of it all and how it all work but yeah. they got to find a way around it because I think that that's something that's hurting this league is like we're not we're not pumping out games like us as athletes we want to go to a league where like we're, we're hammering out games and yeah. so like that's that's what's been a lot of fun about this cup right now is that like I mean we just knock out games like every two days and like that's the best part about it as an athlete is like you don't have time to, th to think about like you know your your previous mess ups like yeah. I played like against Adelaide last night but I play tomorrow so it's like okay could I gotta go like get ready for this game yeah and that's that as an athlete is like what you want so yeah it's know. easy to stew on like yeah bad performances and, us, and as, us as humans are always inclined to like geez I'm trying to get philosophically or something but us, us as people are like we always hang ourselves on the negatives like i yeah. could have the best day of my life and if i have like a 15 minute block where i'm just like oh this sucks like i'm hating myself or whatever like hating whatever has happened yeah. i sh like you'll stew about that for a long period of time so yeah. like we hang it we we just focus on the negatives so much that like that's like you know you don't really you want to be smacking out games so you can just move on and i get it's amplified when you're an athlete too because you're yeah. playing for uh, like you're playing for money, you're playing for fans, you're playing for a city, you're playing for an, an organization that's like put money into you. Yeah. Like there are a lot of people, there's a lot of pressure. Right. Um, when you came in, 
so I think it was a few games into your time with Melbourne. We spoke and you, you mentioned that you wanted to be the sort of boomer's jock for this Melbourne team. Right. Um, and not in the same way that like boomer's patty exists because that's just like a different... Like, <laughs> That's just like a different persona. I'm not trying right? to, yeah, yeah. Um, but it was the role that you played for the Boomers yeah. doing the same thing here because of the talent that Melbourne has. Yeah. Um, you know, what was, how do you kind of resign to that? Like, because if you, you play at such a high level and you know how good you are and you know that you, know, you will be in the NBA eventually and then you come back here and you sort of tell yourself, like, in order to win, I'm okay with taking a step back. Um. I feel as I felt as though playing with that Boomers team in that role that was just based around like running the floor hard, rebounding hard, defending hard, like yeah, those are the parts of the game which like they're the hardest to do on a nightly like basis, like because it's effort, like all yeah. it is is effort. So not mentally hard, but physically hard, I should say. So if I like, I'm trying to set the standard that like. In Europe, I would I would sometimes just like take a step back and be like, all right, like I'm tired tonight. Like you know, we've knocked out seventy games this season. Like, just need to just like you know, like I need to I need to just try and get by on skill. Yeah. So I suppose what I was trying to do with those comments is like hold myself accountable to the point that I'm playing like balls to the wall every single night because yeah. like. I might sound arrogant again and people will probably hate me for it. Arrogant man, apparently. Yeah. (laughs) And I'll be the first one to admit to that. But like the scoring side of things for me is it's easy. Like it comes easy. I'm a player as a center who feeds off other people's facilitation. And like, I'm not the kind of guy that's going to stand up there and be Kevin Durant, put it between my legs, shoot it, step back. Like, it's just, yeah. like, I'm, I'm comfortable in my own skin that that's not really a part of my game. But, so, what I was trying to do with that is just hold myself accountable on the fact that, like, hey, you need to go out there and have 10 boards every night, which I haven't done. You need to go you out... haven't? No. I'm, I don't know what I'm averaging, like, eight or something. Yeah, okay. But, like, I need to go out there and, like, do the little things right every mm. night because that's the kind of stuff that gets noticed in the long run. And the scoring will happen. Like, yeah. you know, I'll find open threes, I'll pick and roll. All that stuff is just based on other people's facilitation, whether or not they decide to pass me the ball. But, yeah, you know, then, like, scoring on the post... I mean, it's annoying that I'm getting doubled right now. But, yep. like, if, I was, if I'm in one-on-one coverage, like... I personally think it's a wrap. Like, I don't believe anyone in this league can guard me in that sense, but... Like, you're, you're a EuroLeague level... As in, like, you've demonstrated to be a EuroLeague level big. Yeah. And, like, there's people think right. you're an NBA level big. Like, right. they're going to double you in the post. Of course. And, like, I get it, but our, our highest... Our highest, score in, our highest score in offense right now is me being doubled in the post. So, at some yeah, point, okay. a team is going to be like, hey, maybe we don't double this guy and give up an open three on the weak side, but... Okay. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, like... I didn't really, I didn't mean that in, by taking a step back. Like, I, yeah. you know, I probably, with all the injuries we've got, I probably do need to up my uh, ante on the offensive end and, and take more shots because I'm only, I think I'm, I haven't taken more than 11 or 12 shots in, uh, in a game yet. But, yeah. like, it's just all dependent. It's just kind of, def- like, I, I let the game come to me and maybe I do need to take it a little bit more uh, into my own hands. But, you know, that's a conversation that maybe needs to be had with, with the coaches and see what they think on that. Um, but yeah, like uh, if anything, I'm just like, I felt like last year, especially I just wasn't doing the little things to, to like max intensity. And a lot of that yeah. was 
like how tired I was. I was banged up from the World Cup. Like I didn't have a chance to work on my body at all. So I was like really struggling physically out there. Yeah. But like for me this year, it was like, all right, you got to do the little things right. You need to show people that you actually can defend. And I think that I'm doing that. And, you know, just get on the boards. Like I just need to be a dog on the boards because I, I wasn't last year and that didn't that stuff doesn't sit well with me because that's something I hold my like hold to a high standard yeah what was the world cup like for you because the whole experience like so I, w- I followed the team to every stop i think um and so being in perth and then melbourne and then um to china it was just it, it seemed as it seemed like a really fun experience to be a part of like you you guys were sort of tended to you know you had crowds and then you know you did pretty well in china like what was the whole experience like unreal uh like the the level of play out there with with guys like Joe, Paddy, Delhi, mm. Bogues, Bainsey, like it's what you kind of want to be a part of, and, yeah. and and that's why like I only ever want to play with the best is because they make the game so easy, and yeah. I didn't have to even think out there. It was just like go play hard, and Paddy will hit you, and you you know you'll you'll just find open shots. Yeah. So for me, it was just like that that side of the game was so enjoyable of just playing with such high caliber, caliber players and like I'd never felt like the game had been that easy ever. Like, and it was it was a lot of fun to be a part of. So that was great, uh, you know, but obviously there are, the times were tough out there. Being in China for five weeks is not easy. China's so different. It is different <laughs> and it kind of wears thin on you at the end. So, you yeah. know, frustration started creeping in towards the end f- about things I don't even know why I was getting frustrated about. I was just like, oh, maybe this is like, you know, I'm just struggling with being out here locked up in a hotel. Yeah. Like that part of that side of it is like kind of rough. So... It was a good experience. Uh, we left a lot on the table, and that doesn't yeah. sit well with anyone. Uh, I think that, you know, losing Bogues this year, obviously, there's a big, there's a big, you know, position to fill. Uh, but I think that we can go do it again, and we can clean up what we what we left, you know, on the table. But yeah, it's it was that was a really good experience. What was it like being Bogues's coffee bitch? <laughs> So I think he said that on yeah he did on Rogue he Bogues. Did. Uh, yeah. I don't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't stop there. I think I was everyone's coffee bitch. <laughs> like me and Chris were rooming together, and like Chris used to remind me, he was like, "Hey man, it's time to go get these guys coffees." So <laughs> like I wasn't even the only rookie on the team, yeah. but like I bonded really well with those guys, and you know that's just kind of how it went. But uh, yeah, I was getting coffees for Patty. I was getting coffee coffees for joe bogues delhi all those guys and it was yep. just what it is but you know they could have shown me a little bit more respect those guys used to be assholes about <laughs> it, so uh well because like when you because you play at such a high level in the euro league and you get chosen for a boomers team for a reason right right yeah. like you, you've demonstrated that you're pretty good um so then to go in is that hard to take like a step back and to not be the guy and not even not be the guy but to be like a rookie again uh, at like twenty. Well, I came. I came out of. I came out of Serbia being a rookie, so it just felt like I was just still a rookie. Like, yeah. Okay. Uh, but at the same time, I understood that there was a hierarchy to things, and I wasn't going to come in there and have a bunch of plays ran to me. I don't think any plays were ran at me. Yeah. Uh, so I kind of I knew where I was at, and like having that pressure being taken off you, mm. it was enjoyable. To be honest with you, I was like, man, this is this is a good time. Like just fitting in as a role player and playing playing like hard every single night like that was a lot of fun yeah um 
but you know at the same time like you know, i was eager to do more and, and show that i could do more and i think that you know i can do a lot more in a boomer squad but um you know for that for that point in time i was i was fine with it uh i didn't enjoy the coffee runs and i didn't enjoy all the shit staring i got uh but you know it, it's just part of the process so i want to end on like some nba talk you've gone through a weird process mm-hmm. um just as far as all the shit you've gone through um from being in serbia the, the contractual stuff that you've had to deal with and then sort of just like somehow landing here yep. in melbourne yeah um how an, how annoyed are you <laughs> like it's because you're what, 25 now yeah you're 25 it, you probably could have and should have been in the nba a bit earlier mm-hmm. if not for things out of your control yeah um that like where does that sit with you there's a there's a filthy taste in my mouth yeah uh i'm pissed off how things how things went uh, and how they all got so messed up yeah is things out of my control based on advice i was given by people who should be given the right advice yep affecting my career is just like like what else can I do? And like to continue to show up and do what I'm doing, I feel as though is like like I'm proud of that. But at some time, like soon, I I want to make that transition because I deserve to. And I look at rosters and guys who get signed over me because I can't sign, I couldn't sign with an NBA team. Yeah. And like I'm 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 livid. Like I'm so pissed off. And like those opportunities that clearly should be yours. Yes. Or that, that otherwise were yours yes. and were just taken away. Effectively. Yes. It doesn't sit well with me at all. Now, yeah. some teams have signed guys who have panned out better than what maybe I would have. I don't necessarily believe that that would have been the case, but mm. some of those guys have panned out. So credits, credits to them, like whatever. But yeah. like I've got ambitions, you know, like I want to go out there and I want to, I want to play at a high level and play in the NBA and like show people that, hey, even though I'm not as athletic as like some of these guys like i'm sure as hell can outthink a lot of them and you're more athletic than before a lot more athletic than before exactly yeah. and like that's kind of been everyone's like a lot of teams who have written me off have been like oh he's just not athletic enough well the thing I, yeah the thing i was told so when you left st mary's was you don't have an nba skill right which at the time probably right so now you look at my game i can shoot the piss out of it yep I can run a lot faster than guys up and down the court. Yep. So I'm a transition player. Might not be able to like rim protect like guys do, but I think in the NBA, I'd probably be a four, four, five. And yeah. I think that I can definitely keep people in front. And just like knowing the scout, uh, I believe that like, you know, I can outthink a lot of those guys. Like Joe Ingles mm. to me is just like, and no disrespect to you, Joe, even though you're a prick. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's not the most athletic guy and he came from what i heard i never watched him in europe but Mm. like he used to be like a target on scout now joe's like an elite defender like he's he's fucking an elite defender in for for utah so um like to kind of see him make that transition it's like well why not like if i get Mm. into the right system and play systematic basketball uh which is where i feel like i really excel like there's no reason i can't like funnel uh, a you know a four man downhill into a shot blocker like yeah do you know what I mean so like that stuff like yeah it, it it definitely it definitely pisses me off and it's it's something that I really want to happen eventually and I believe that it should and it will yeah uh, 
it's just a matter of time and like uh i don't really know yeah like i'm getting fiery just thinking about it right now but like <laughs> i i feel as though like i i continue to show up and do what i'm supposed to do and <clears throat> i mean i don't necessarily put up the biggest numbers but like I impact win. isn't necessarily numbers though. right exactly and i think that like going into an nba team they wouldn't be like all right jock we're you know we need you to put up 15 and seven a night it's yeah. like no these guys will be like you know just get out there defend run hard and transition and rebound shoot open shots and like that's the kind of basketball that i think that i can really excel in and uh, do it at a high level now if hopefully one day my role you know has the opportunity to turn into more but like that's getting way down the line ahead of myself so right now i'm just focused on getting into a situation out there and and, and making that happen i mean looking at joe and even aaron baines and those dudes joe was 26 27 27 when he was a rookie joe might have been 28 maybe when he, he went to the late. clippers i mean he was really late right yeah and aaron baines was 27, 27. like these guys they're older than what you are now yeah or they were older than what you are now yeah um, that's got to give you a bit of not hope but and I get wasted time is the I thing I hate that, wasting time like it sucks. I can't like I'm, tw- I'm 26 it, it, I've, and I think I've done well for myself but right. I feel like I've wasted so much time right like one of my like big, biggest battles with like you know mental health and stuff is the is the fact that like I feel like I like I'm so antsy and I'm like oh man like I sat around today and did nothing for two hours yeah and then I sit, sit there at night like just like struggling with that so like then you kind of look at it from like a yearly scale and you're like you know here's time that like i haven't been in the nba that feels not necessarily it doesn't feel wasted but it's like time that i should have been out there like that's a really hard concept for me to come to terms with and it like it like gets at me a lot so um yeah but i mean like credit to those guys like joey and bainsey especially like i mean joey's one of my best mates and he's done fantastically but like bainsey's like fine well they both like fine wine like these guys continue to get better at 33 and like i think that's something for me that like it's not why i haven't it's it's why i haven't given up on it as a 25 year old it's a nice perspective to have right like you're like yo, you can still make it at 27 and and really continue to improve till you're 33 35 like there's a lot of time left and people say like what is it like 28 to 31 is like prime time yep it's not it just depends on what kind of like human you are so well look i think you'll end up there everyone i've spoken to as far as nba executives and scouts have that expectation too so fingers crossed for you i guess see what happens thank you for coming on thanks for the chat appreciate it I hope you all enjoy that chat with Jock Landale. Um, I know I did, and I, I think he did. He messaged me right after uh, we recorded, and he said you know, we could have spoken for hours. He's just got stories and stories to tell. So hopefully we'll have him back on soon to, to tell some of those. Uh, stay tuned next week. Every Wednesday, a new episode of Born in the Real World drops. Next week, we have Isaac Humphreys, you know, another elite Australian big in the NBL, playing in the NBA and is you know, hovering around MVP discussions this season. So... Uh, We had a great chat, so stay tuned for that. If you like what you heard, rate, review, subscribe, all that jazz. Go to your favorite podcast app and do all that stuff. We'd really appreciate it. And yeah, hope you enjoyed and, and we'll see you next week. See ya.